Uh, we're in um, Luke chapter 18. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And uh, I want to pick up, um, we're going to start at verse 1. Before we start, I just want to pray and ask God's uh, anointing and blessing on the Word. If you would just join me for a moment. Father, we want to just thank you. We thank you so much for your Word. Uh, Lord, it, uh, David said, it is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, that we'd be so lost without your Word. Uh, Father, your Word says that it has life. Jesus says, the words that I speak are life. And Father, we want to receive your Word as life today that uh, we think about Ezekiel's vision of that valley of dry bones, dead bones, uh, just uh, all the deadness that was there. And, and you begin to speak your word and assemble those bones and sinew and tissue came upon those bones. And uh, Lord, they were, they were complete. They were complete. There were bodies there, but they were still dead. And it was when you breathe the breath of life into them, Lord, that they became alive. And we ask, Father, just like you breathed upon your disciples and told them to receive the Holy Spirit, we pray for a fresh breath of God, the fresh wind of God to blow in this place this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'm ready for that. All right, so it says that Jesus told his disciples a parable and told them that they should always pray and not give up. And he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town that kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out by her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for every one of his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And I just want to... Uh, let me just pause there for just a moment, and, and I just want to talk about this section before we jump to the next section. He talks about men praying and not giving up, and then he tells the story, the story about the woman. Uh, a lot of the parables that Jesus uh, speaks about, he, uh, he speaks about a comparing, and then he speaks about a, a contrast. Um, and this is the contrast. Remember, you know, just like he talks about the kingdom of heaven, he says that the kingdom of heaven is like um, leaven, or the kingdom of heaven is like um, what? Fill in the blank for me. Like what? Yeah, yeah, kingdom of heaven. Thank you. I forgot what I was going to say, and I needed some help this morning. Uh, yeah, the kingdom of heaven, he, he compares, he says that the kingdom is like, so he does comparison but this is a contrast. He says that he's talking about this, this judge who is probably in that culture in that time, probably one of the you know, highest up ranking in society. And then you've got this widow. And remember, we've talked about widows before that, you know, it's a shame that they were treated this way. But if you were a widow in that day, in that time, 
And in that, in that culture, you were at the bottom of the list. And so, you know, you had this great span. You had, the, you know, the, the, widow at the widow at the bottom of the list and, and this uh, judge. And by the way, this was not just a judge like we would have here today in our, in our town. This was a judge that judged according to the word of God. And so it's interesting to see that, you know, in the, in the time of judges, we read about judges in the Old Testament. And remember that uh, Absalom took up the position of judge uh, you know, during his day, set up a place outside the city gate. And uh, when men and women would come into town with a complaint, they were going to David, and he would say, you know, my, my father's really too busy to talk to you, but, you know, tell me your problems. I'll see if I can work them out. And so we had this time in history. In fact, there's a book called The Book of Judges where judges, these godly men, would judge according to the word of God. And so we have one here, uh, and it says that, that this particular judge, uh, that he did not care about men, and he certainly didn't, care, he, he didn't fear God, and he didn't care about men. So, I mean, it's just such a, um, you know, a contrast here. It's like, what are you doing in this position? And he goes on to say that because this widow continually came to, you know, came to him, and she wasn't asking for anything out of the ordinary. She wasn't asking for favor. All she was asking for is that justice would be done. And, um, you know, it says, the scripture says that, you know, that the widow was wearing him out. Now, we're not comparing God to this unjust judge, but we are saying that, that God will hear your cry. And that's why he starts out this scripture that men ought to always pray and not give up. And I know that, you know, a lot of times when we do pray, we come to the Lord, we'll pray one or two times, and we don't hear an answer to our prayer, then we just kind of like, we just kind of quit. But those of you, some of you that have been in here that have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and you haven't given up, and you've seen God answer your prayers. How many of you are in here like that? You've seen God move on your behalf where you haven't given up. All right, so that's, thank you for raising your hands. That should be an encouragement to the rest of us that, you know, we're in that place where we've prayed a few times and, you know, we feel like, well, maybe God doesn't care about me or about my situation. I want to tell you that he does. God does care about you. and He does care about the situation that you're in. The other, the other parable is very similar to men that go up to the temple to pray. The one, you know, this is another contrast. We have the, uh, the Pharisee who was regarded in society as, you know, one of those that is outstanding in society. And then we had the tax collector who was just totally rejected by society because, I mean, he was a, a considered by the Jews as a traitor. And, and yet, you know, the two of them go up. Uh, this, this tax collector who is considered the, the bottom of the barrel in, in that day and in that culture against the Pharisee who, you know, saw himself as a great man of God. And we, we know their story. It says the Pharisee that uh, he goes up, he stands and he prays and he says, I thank you, God, that I'm not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus goes on to say, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself would be humbled, and he that humbles himself will be exalted. And so, um, you know, notice just, I just want you to, you know, just consider the contrast there for a second. 
You know, you've got this one guy that thinks that, you know, that he's got it together, that, you know, his good works are going to get him into heaven. And the other man, the tax collector, recognizes that he is a sinner, that he's made, you know, a lot of mistakes in life. Like many of us here, I mean, the Bible says that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one in here that's perfect. There's no one in here that's got it all together. Now, we're all broken people, and God is working in each of our hearts and each of our lives. And uh, it reminds me of a story that I just came across recently. When we think about this, we think about, you know, God answering prayer and God speaking to us. And that's really kind of the, the heart of our message this morning. But let me share the story with you. It says, back in the days when telegraph was the fastest method, fastest method of long-distance communication, a young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Answering an ad to the newspaper, he went into the office uh, address that was listed. And when he arrived, he entered into a large, busy office filled with noise and clatter, including the sound of the telegraph in the back background. A sign on the receptionist counter instructed job applicants to fill out the form and wait until they were summoned to enter into the inner office. The young man filled out his farm, sat down with seven other applicants in the waiting area. And after a few minutes, the young man, this is the last man that came in, stood up and crossed the room to the door to the inner office and walked right in. Naturally, the other applicants perked up, wondering what was going on. They muttered among themselves that they hadn't heard any summons yet, and they assumed that the young man who went into the office made a mistake and would be disqualified. Within a few minutes, however, the employer escorted the young man out of the office and said to the other applicants, Gentlemen, thank you very much for coming, but the job has been filled. And the applicants began to grumble to each other, and one spoke up saying, Wait a minute, I don't understand. He was the last one to come in. We never got a chance to be interviewed, yet he got the job. That's not fair. And the employer said, I'm sorry. But all the time that you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, come right in. The job is yours. None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did, and the job is his. I want to tell you that God is like that. The voice of God is constantly speaking to us, and sometimes we just, you know, because of the distractions, because we're talking to other people, we've got other things on our hearts and minds that we can't hear the voice of God. I tell you, as a pastor, it's one of the greatest questions that I hear all the time, how can I hear the voice of God? I'm glad you asked it because that's what we're talking about this morning, all right? All right. All right, let me just tell you the first thing about hearing the voice of God. The first thing is that if you want to hear the voice of God, you've got to make an appointment with God. Now, if I want to, if I want to visit with one of you, you know, I'll call you up and say, hey, can we have coffee? Can we meet at a certain place at a certain time on a certain day? That's the way we do it, right? I mean, you plug in to your calendar, your iPad, or your you know, your phone, your smartphone, you'll punch in that calendar, certain day, certain time, certain place that you're going to meet with someone. I want to tell you that meeting with God is the same way, that you need a time and a day and a place where you're going to meet with God. So you want to make an appointment to meet with God. Let me just share some scriptures to give an example of that. Um, 
You know, and, and before I do share this scripture, I just want to tell you that God comes to a prepared atmosphere. It's just like here on Sunday morning. I mean, if our worship team didn't practice and they showed up and the music was, you know, you know, uh, out of tune and, and they were singing out of tune and off, off key, you know, I mean, it would just be, it would be hard on our ears and, and, and we'd be frustrated with it. But I want to tell you that God shows up and he comes to a prepared atmosphere. And so when we want to meet with God, we got to come with that prepared atmosphere. God, I'm coming to meet with you. I'm going to speak to you, and I want to hear from you. In Psalm chapter 42, it says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen to this. Where can I go to meet with God? See, David understood this. David understood that, you know, that, he, he wanted to go and have a place where he could meet with God. Let me give you another example. And this is uh, from the New Testament in the book of John, chapter 1. Jesus is gathering the disciples. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, remember Nathanael, the disciples, I think it was Peter and, uh, and, and Philip that had gone to him and said, man, we found the Messiah. We're finding the Messiah. It's Jesus from Nazareth. And, and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then Jesus, uh, they meet, and Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, and he said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathaniel asked. And Jesus answered, now listen to this. He said, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, what's that mean? It means that Jesus was able to see. He was able to see this place of prayer that Nathaniel had. He had a little fig tree that he would go out to day by day and get under that fig tree, and this was his little closet that he would call upon God, call upon the name of God. And Jesus said, I saw you. I saw you. I don't know if it was a half a mile away or a mile away, a couple of hundred yards away, but Jesus was able to see Nathaniel seeking God under that fig tree. And then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. It was just like all of a sudden, it's like nobody knows. Nobody knows about that fig tree. I've got my own little secret place. Nobody knows about it. And Nathaniel declares, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So the first thing that we, if you want to hear from God, if you, want to, if you need a word from God, you need to make an appointment with God. You've got to have a place that you're going to meet with God. And you know, you've got to have a time that you're going to meet with God. Now, some of you, you know, uh, you, you know people just ask, well, when, when is the best time? You know, I, a lot of people meet with God early in the morning, get up before, you know, you have the distractions of the day, get up, have a cup of coffee, go to your, you know, little desk or wherever you go. And, uh, you know, you open your Bible and, and you're, you know, you're just trying to commune. You just want to connect with God before you get through the busyness of the day. And others, you know, might do it at midday during your lunch hour. Others might do it after you put the kids to bed at night. 
and uh, where, the, where it's quiet and there's no distractions. Just remember the guys in the telegraph office. There's a lot of noise that was going on, a lot of chatter, a lot of clatter, you know, that a lot of noise, busyness, the guys talking to one another. Meanwhile, the little, you know, uh, telegraph machine is ticking out the message. If you can understand this message, you know, the job is yours. Come in through the door. They couldn't hear it. They were, they were distracted. Second thing that uh, if you want to commune with God, you want to get a word from God, you need to be still. You need to be quiet. You need to rid yourself of all distraction. Be still and worship. Remember the psalm that says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter into his courts with praise. And that's preparing an atmosphere where God can speak to you. Be still and worship. Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I am God. And then we see a great story from 2 Chronicles. Um, he says, oh, you know, uh, just a little background on this. Israel is being invaded. There are three nations or three armies that are coming against them. And uh, they begin to cry out. And, and one of them says, Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity, and this is, you can read this, this whole, this whole story. What he's quoting right here is written in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, where, um, where Solomon, or 1 Chronicles chapter 6, where Solomon is dedicating the temple. And these are, these are words that come right out of that passage of Scripture. And they say that if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, and we stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and cry out to you in our distress that you will hear us and save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming up to drive us out, drive out the possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Now, this is what happens when you start shuffling papers. <laughs> it says, And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, and he said, Listen, all of you of Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. Now, listen to this. Some of you need to hear this this morning. Uh, you're battling, you're fighting, but in this particular case, he says, listen, to all of you Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle, listen to this, the battle is not yours but God's and you will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves, listen, stand still, be still, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Uh, you can get yourself so worked up. You can get, you know, you can get yourself so, in such a frenzy about work or jobs or children or marriage or relationship. And, you know, God's saying, be still, be quiet. The battle is not yours. Let me work in this. Give me an opportunity. And so just be still before the Lord. Call out in the name of the Lord and see what great things that he will do on your behalf. It goes on to say, 
It says, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing. They gathered their worship team together, like we would do today if there was a great war, great battle. We'd send our worship team out before us and see what would happen. <laughs> Benji, we love you. You're going first, man. <laughs> As they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Now, you've got to get the picture here. The, the whole, the, the, all of Jerusalem is out on this mountain, and they're looking down you know, into this valley, and here comes these three armies against them. And all of a sudden, you know, just before they get to Jerusalem, they start fighting each other, and they start killing each other. And it says that the men of Ammon and Moab rose against uh, the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, uh, they helped destroy one another. And when the men of Judah came to the place that overlooked the desert uh, and looked toward that vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. And so Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. And all they had to do was praise God. That's all they had to do. They just, you know, got into this place. The prophet said to be still. Let's just praise God, see what God's going to do. Some of you need to do that. When you get out of this place today, you need to go home to your little quiet spot, your place, your, your closet, and just begin to worship God and praise God and see what God is going to do on your behalf. I'm telling you, he's waiting to do something. He wants to show himself strong on your behalf. You know, that's what the scripture says. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for those whose hearts are right toward him so he can show himself strong on your behalf. That's what God wants to do for you. All right. Amen. It's a good place to clap. All right. And then, you know, so worship is so important. Let me just give you another illustration. This comes from 2 Kings chapter 3. Now, the background of this is that uh, the men of uh, the kings of Israel went out to battle. They go out into the desert. They're seven days into the desert, and they're out of water. And one of the kings says that, you know, that God has brought us out here to destroy us. And one of the other kings says, King Jehoshaphat says, is there a prophet here? Is there a prophet of God here that we can get a word from? We need a word right now, all right? And some of you are in that place right now. You need a word from God. It's like, I don't know what to do. I can't make a right decision because I don't know what to do. I need to have a word from God. And so that's where they are. That's where, that's where this, uh, these kings are. And so one of the kings, King Jehoshaphat, they had some false prophets there. And King Jehoshaphat says, hey, don't, don't you have a real prophet here? Is there a prophet of God here? And, uh, yeah, they said, yeah, there's one man here. So they bring him forward. And the prophet says, now someone, now bring me someone who can play the harp, okay? Hey, just a little worship music. I need just a little worship. I need to hear God. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with 
with what? With pools of water, and you will neither see wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and the other animals. And that's exactly what happened. They dug ditches uh, to catch the water. So it all started when the prophet began to worship. When there was worship that was going on, and then he had a, you know, he was in that place where he created this atmosphere for God to speak. And I'm going to just tell you that if you need God to speak in your life, get into a place where you can just begin to worship him. Now, every one of us has its battles that we're fighting. You know, whether it's at, in our home, with our children, you know, maybe our children are you know, taking a turn that we don't like or we're concerned about. Maybe there's a relationship that we're concerned about. Maybe there's some finances or job that we're concerned about. Maybe concerned about some health issues. I want to tell you that if you want to see God move, if you need, a, you need to hear a word from God, you need to get into a quiet place and just begin to pour out your heart in worship before the Lord. And then the next thing that we need to do is we just need to pray and we need to read. Mark chapter 1 says, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and he left the house and went off into a solitary place where he prayed. Psalm 119 says, I rise before the dawn and I cry for help. I put my hope in your word. And so just pray. You want to pray about anything that God puts on your heart. There's nothing that's too small or too big that God can't handle. And finally, we want to listen. When we get, you know, many times we go in and we just kind of pour our hearts out to God and we don't listen. We don't listen to God. It's like we're not listening to what God has to say to us. But I want to tell you that it's important for you to wait until you hear a word from God. And then I, I encourage you to jot that down, to write it down, to listen and to write. In Psalm 45, it says, my heart is overflowing with beautiful thoughts. I will write a lovely poem to the king, for I am full of words as the speediest writer pouring out his story. And what he's saying here is that I've got into a place where I can hear from God, and I'm going to write down everything that God tells me. That's why when, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had someone here that gave a number of spoken words, and, you know, we had, uh, Connie was busy, she was writing and listening and recording, and, you know, I mean, it was taking forever to get that stuff. Stephen was helping with that. And, uh, you know, people wanted to hear. They wanted, they wanted to read, you know, they wanted to read word for word the word that had been spoken over them. And David said, all of this I put in writing as the Lord directed me and gave me insight regarding the details of the blueprint. It's talking about the temple. David got alone with God, and God says, I want you to write this down, write this down. Every detail of the temple he was able to write down, and David was able to give that to his son Solomon. David said to his son Solomon, be strong and brave, do it, don't be afraid, don't panic, for the Lord my God, the Lord God is with you. And then finally in Habakkuk, we see he's standing. He, he's got a complaint. The prophet has got a complaint, and he's pouring his heart out to God. And uh, he says that, I'm going to stand my watch. And what that means is I'm going to get in my closet. I'm going to get in my spot where I call out to God. And he says, and then I'm going to set myself on a rampart, and I'm going to wait or I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. And then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. 
And so Habakkuk was able to get into a place where he could hear from God, and God says, write this down. I want you to write this down, every word of it. Write it down. Make it, make it plain so others can hear it, so others can read it. And I want to encourage you guys today. You need to hear a word from God. You know, I want you to get into a quiet spot. I want, you to, I want you to begin with worship. I want you to begin with reading the Word of God and then listen to what God's going to say to you. I promise you that God wants to speak to you. And if you can remove from your, your life the distractions, just like in that telegraph office, if you'll remove that from your life, then you'll be able to hear clearly, you know, the voice of God, the direction of God, the plan that God has for you. He says that you were created for purpose. And, and I, ha, you know, I just hate to say this, but I, I feel that many Christians are just sitting idly by, just waiting, just life is just passing them by, just like in the telegraph office. Life is just passing them by, and they're missing the voice of God and the word that God has for you. Why don't you stand with me, please? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God gives you an ear to hear. Amen. We serve an awesome God, don't we? Amen. Let's just bless his name. He is worthy of our praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.